Has the thought ever crossed your mind, this idea is too big, it's too scary, there's no way I can do this? Have you ever thought that what you want to do is impossible? Has a dream or a calling been placed on your life and it just feels out of reach? Like there's no way that this could be what you're supposed to do. Well, my guest today has spent the better part of his adult life taking those questions and taking the word impossible and turning it into I'm possible. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact not only with their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Jeremy Cowart, humanitarian photographer, author of the newly released book, I'm Possible, Jumping into Fear and Discovering a Life of Purpose, and founder of The Purpose Hotel. Jeremy is honestly a personal hero of mine, so to have him on the show was an unbelievable honor. We dive right into his story of founding The Purpose Hotel and so much more about the impact that he is having on the world. You are going to be absolutely blown away by this conversation. So without further ado, on to my chat with Jeremy. Jeremy, I am so honored to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being with us. Of course. Thanks for having me, Molly. Now, I have to just preface this here at the beginning, um, and I don't say this for many guests, <laughs> um, but when I launched this podcast three years ago, um, it was a podcast that I had kind of in the works for quite some time. And my husband finally was like, oh my goodness, would you just quit? Stop, <laughs> stop talking about the podcast and just actually do it. And awesome. he made me, when we were, when we were talking about it and really, he was really like lighting a fire underneath of me to do it. He was like, I need you to write down 10 guests. That would be like a dream for you to have on. And you were number one on that list. So That's amazing. So, wow. So honored. Thank and, you. And I think part of it was because this was 2016. So this was coming right off of the Kickstarter campaign for the Purpose sure. Hotel. And I just love, I have followed you for a long time. I've, I love your, your work, your photography, um, all the humanitarian efforts that you do. And then when you launched the, the Purpose Hotel, which we're going to get into, I was like, I, I donated to both Kickstarter campaigns both the one that didn't happen and then the one that happened after that because I was like yes amen this has to happen um so I I preface all that to say that like I really am so grateful and honored to have you on the show because uh you were like part of the inspiration for even starting this show that here we are three years later (laughs) that's amazing so honored seriously thank you so much yeah absolutely so I'm gonna have you do what all my guests do and that's give us the Jeremy 101 so tell us who you are what you do and what you're all about yeah, uh, I live in Nashville. I'm a dad of four, been married 20 years. I uh, scatterbrained ADD artist type uh, <laughs> who tries to make a lot of ideas happen. Um, the, you know, my art can be literal art. I do a lot of paintings and fine art. I uh, do a lot of photography over the years. I uh, Started a nonprofit called Help Portrait, where we photograph people in need around the world. I uh, trying to build a <laughs> hotel chain from <laughs> yeah. scratch, as you just said. No big deal. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of all over the place. I do a lot of public speaking. I just released a book. Um, 
I am professionally ADD. <laughs> I mean, y- you have um, a-, a story that I relate to, and I know so many people relate to, where you have all of these passions and you have all these projects, and sometimes people look at you and say, because I'm the same way, where people look at you and go, wait, how do all these things connect? And how are you starting a hotel chain and you're also a photographer and then you wrote a book and then you have this art business? And, you know, over the years, um, one of the stories that, or or when I read your book, actually, um, I'm Possible, which was released in April, um, I I binge read it um, on the plane to Disney when I took, when we took our kids to Disney in May. And um, I loved hearing really the background of your story Um, especially growing up as a child where you struggled in school. And that was my story as well, especially in elementary school um, and and middle school. I I struggled. And so I know that that's a big part of your story. So I'd love for you to just kind of talk briefly about that and how that kind of impacted how you got into graphic design and then photography and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, uh, as you said, uh, I just struggled like crazy as a kid. I mean, I shouldn't say like crazy. It's not like I was a dropout or failure completely, <laughs> but I just, uh, you know, I was just kind of an average student and I just kind of blended in um, and um, didn't make many A's, made a few F's, but was just kind of a B, C student um, or sometimes D's and but all, all in all, I just thought I was very average, never thought I would amount to much, thought my test grades reflected my value as a human. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just thought that's the way it was going to be, and I wasn't going to do much with my life. And um, my brothers were kind of the rock stars, the guys who were good at everything. And so I was just content to blend in in the background behind my brothers and, you know, do my quiet thing. Um so, yeah, that's kind of the, the nature of who I was growing up. Yeah. And then you were introduced to what, it was graphic design. And this was really around the time that graphic design was even kind of becoming a, a, an industry. You know, when, when computers were becoming more and more common, um, you and I grew up kind of in the same era where, you know, it. Not everybody had a computer in their home, and certainly graphic design wasn't something that, you know, a lot of people knew. So how did you get into that, and how did that eventually lead you into realizing, like, I think I'm actually really good at this, and I'm really, create, you know, the creative arts are something that, that make me come alive? Yeah, well, the arts were some, was something I fell in love with in junior high. I fell in love with the art my first class. And so I kind of wanted to be a painter when I graduated high school. And my parents were wise enough to say, you should consider graphic design instead, because they were smart and knew that it might be hard to make a living as a painter. And so that got my curiosity. And as soon as I started studying Photoshop in college, I mean, it was kind of game over. I was in love. And so... um yeah, I jumped into the world of graphic design college and got my first job working in the ad agency world and worked for a few ad agencies and didn't ultimately didn't love that world. Uh, and it was uh, 2005, 2001 that I left that world and started my own design company and have really worked for myself ever since then. Um, that was a very a lot of details told very quickly, but um, <laughs> that is the short version of the story. Yeah. 
Um, so I want to jump forward, like way forward, um, and kind of do things a little bit opposite than I usually do on the show, where I kind of lead up um, to to sort of what we're doing now. Um, but I really want to jump forward because so much of what I have really been inspired by is this story of you launching a hotel chain, starting a hotel chain. Um, and I, like I said, when I first came across your Kickstarter, the first time it launched, I, I watched that promo video and I said, yes, like who, this is genius. Take all my money. <laughs> like <laughs> This is, this is incredible. So I want to really dive into the story of the Purpose Hotel. So tell us about the Purpose Hotel. Where did you get the idea for it? For anybody that maybe is like, wait a second, what is the Purpose Hotel? Who is this photographer that's launching a hotel chain? Like there's just so much about it that, um, that is, is, in, is just an incredible story of how God is at work. Um, and so I just would love for you to kind of share that. So tell us about the story of, of how how you came to you know to do the purpose hotel sure yeah i was uh i actually knew the date it was april 30th 2012 i was in la doing a photo shoot um for an app company called visco i was shooting my friend marielle that day and um and i was walking through the standard hotel in los angeles when i just suddenly um was looking at the room numbers and the way they had them designed and i thought it would be really cool if every room told a story and what could that story be i thought it'd be nice for it to be child sponsorship and so i um looked down on a room key and realized room keys could be connected to the giving keys which employ the homeless mm-hmm. and then when I walked in the room, I just thought, oh, the internet, if he could fight human trafficking, the artwork could come from humanitarian artists, the soaps and shampoos could come from Thistle Farms who employ women out of trafficking and drug addiction, all that stuff. And so basically the whole concept hit me very, very randomly. Um, It was a very, one of those kind of divine God moments. Um, And so... I was really taken aback by it, knew that it was a good idea, but ultimately I spent three years in fear of the idea because it was so big. And so, but that's how it was born. I wasn't seeking a new idea. I didn't need to start a new business, um, but it's just one of those random, you know, God moments where he hits me over the head with an idea. I want to really highlight what you said where you said I spent three years in fear of the idea because it was too big and oh my gosh how many times in our life is that the story I mean I've talked to so many different entrepreneurs so many different men and women Um, I remember when I was in college I volunteered at a nursing home in college and I would spend time you know just just chatting with some of the men and women there. And one of the things that they shared was that, you know, there were so many things in their life where they had a lot of regrets, where they felt like, oh, I wanted to do this thing, or I had this idea, and I never followed through with it because I was too afraid. And so I want to just kind of talk about that. And what was that like in that that three-year period where you had this idea I know, you know, based on reading your book, like it kept coming up and it kept coming up and it was always there in the back of your mind. What do you think was, were some of the factors that were really holding you back and what eventually led you to say, okay, I I think I'm actually going to do something about it because I can't ignore this any longer. 
Yeah, it was a number of things. Uh, it was people that I really respected speaking into it, um, saying this is this is something that has to happen. It was the fact that I never stopped thinking about it through those three years, um, just every day. Um, my business partner, I mean, he, he decided he wanted to jump in with me. But I remember one day um, flying over New York City, seeing the thousands and thousands of skyscrapers um, and just really realizing, you know, every every one of those had to start with one person, one idea, yeah. one reason to build a building. And I just thought, like, why can't that be me? Why can't I be one one of these people to start one building? That's a great point and something that I think so many of us can learn that lesson of sometimes like God is calling you or God is calling us to do something really specific and we just have to be obedient to that call. We just have to do the next right thing and sometimes that feels really overwhelming. So when you decided and you said, okay, I think that person's going to be me, what was the first, you know, like, how do you even go about starting a hotel chain? And I know you launched the Kickstarter, but, you know, did you have any ideas before that? Or were the Kickstar- was the Kickstarter really sort of the jumping off point? Well, yeah, we knew we wanted to start with the people because this is a hotel for the people. So we thought it would be great to make it, you know, buy, uh, start, start with people and fundraising because the idea that the people build a hotel – that ends up helping people all over the world just seemed obvious. And so uh, crowdfunding just seemed like a really good option. And so, um, yeah, we, we ran with it. And it took a long time to to build the, the Kickstarter. There are a lot of work. Um, but uh, I'm really grateful we did because now forevermore we'll always be able to say that those, you know, I think it was like 4,700 people that ended up giving money to the project. And so, yeah, I'll be forever grateful for that. And like I mentioned at the beginning, the first one didn't didn't happen. Uh, it didn't get funded. So exactly. talk about that and, and what that was like, because I know that, that that had to have felt really difficult at the time. So what made you say, OK, nope, we're going to pick back up. We're going to we're going to do this again. We're going to get it funded. What was that experience like? Yeah, I had just had a friend try to raise money for a camera bag on Kickstarter. He uh, needed a hundred grand to make this camera bag. He ended up raising six million dollars for a camera bag. Yeah, it was just unbelievable. So I thought, surely, if my buddy can raise, you know, six million for a bag, surely I can raise two million for a hotel that everybody's going to be able to stay in for a long time to come. Yeah. And so we set our goal at two million. It landed at seven hundred and fifty grand, oh. which is obviously far short of our goal, but we still blew up momentum wise, PR wise, everybody loved it. Yeah. But what I realized about trying to fund a hotel on Kickstarter is that you're like a camera bag is something that people can order. It's going to be at their house. They're going to carry it every day. It's a tangible, physical item. A hotel is really a concept that won't be tangible for a very long time. Yeah. It won't exist in your city unless you live there. So it was, it was a much bigger and crazier ask um, to, to do that. And so I think that's why things like camera bags work a lot better than concepts like a 
hotel. And so I had to learn that the hard way. But yeah, so we, we essentially knew that we still had a lot of wind in our sails, a lot of great publicity and people behind us. And so we knew that if we set our goal a lot lower, that we could still reach a really great goal. And so we set the goal a second time at uh, 350 grand, and we still ended up raising around that same 750 mark. That's awesome. That's awesome. And just such a testament to grit and determination and not letting like what what might to some people look like a failure or a setback uh, stop you, but to instead use that as a setup to move forward and, and to to do it bigger and better the second time. Um, so once you f- you funded that second Kickstarter campaign, that was in I, I, that was 2016, right? I'm remembering yeah. that correct. Yeah, so it's 2016. Um, so three years ago, a lot has happened, as we know, in that three years. Um, and I and what has been so cool to watch is just an outsider and an advocate and and somebody who is just really interested and invested in this project um, as just somebody who's a, a huge cheerleader. It's been so amazing to watch God orchestrate this and set little details up and big details up. So a lot has happened. So I know from hearing, just you know, reading some of the things that you've shared, there's a little bit of a crazy story around the location. Can you tell us the story of the location for the Purpose Hotel? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we were going to be building a smaller, hipper area in Nashville, and we were going to be building a much smaller hotel. Uh, but the night, the Friday night, I think it was December 1st, 2017, uh, that land fell through. So I was really, really bummed uh, that happened, and uh, we were back to the drawing board. So the very next morning, I showed up to help portrait where we, again, photographed the homeless. And in walks uh, Santa Claus, and in his Santa suit, he had been helping us for years. Um but I didn't really know him other than he was Santa, and I always thanked him for being such a great Santa. Yeah. So he walked in, and um, he said, hey, I heard you're building something special. And I said, yeah, we're trying to build this hotel. Uh, and I said, but our land fell through last night, so we're back to the drawing board. And uh, But I, then I told him the full concept and why we were doing it. He said, I love the idea. I love the concept. He said, since 1974, I've actually owned four acres next to the brand new convention center downtown Nashville, would you be interested in building on it? And I just, I freaked out. I couldn't (laughs) believe the words coming out of his mouth. And uh, I was like, "Uh, yes, let's make that happen. And so, um, yeah, we found our land through Santa Claus. It's pretty crazy. (laughs) I mean, that is just, I mean, it's amazing in so many ways. We're like, that is clearly not an accident because, I mean, who owns four acres next to the convention center in Nashville and just like hasn't done anything with it and then just happens to know you and is like, oh, wait, this guy's trying to build a hotel. Here's my four acres. Um, That's just insane. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's completely crazy. It's completely crazy and so not only did you know again much like the kickstarter campaign you have this land fall through which i know you know the day before this help portrait event you you're probably just i can only imagine what you were feeling at the time to have the land fall through and and you're almost questioning god like wait a second i thought you wanted us to do this and he's like "Mm -mm, 
I have something better in mind for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. What was that like? What was that feeling like for you from kind of going from such a like a low to a high within like 24 hours? Yeah, it was just uh, absurd. I just couldn't, I mean, if it was like an out-of-body experience, I just was really in disbelief and uh, excited and overwhelmed and knew that it was yet again truly not me that was uh, conducting all this. I mean, it's just this whole story has been a very, very God story from the uh, inception of the idea to the land and to our management and so many other things that are happening um, it's just not been our work, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's incredibly special. Yeah. Now, you briefly mentioned the management, and I, I know it was announced recently that you have connected with the one and the only Horst Schultz, as in the man who started the Ritz-Carlton, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. I yeah. don't know how much of the story you can share, but what... What of that story can you share, and and how did that happen? And, and tell us the story of how he agreed to personally train your staff. Yeah, we uh, along the way, people have always told us we need to meet certain legends in the industry, and horse name would always come up, and I would just be like, "Yeah, right, like that's not going <laughs> to happen." Uh, and so we finally, it finally did happen. A lady connected us to Horst, and. Um, so we drive down to Atlanta and meet with them in his office. And she kind of warned us that, you know, he's, you know, 78 years old. He's been doing this for decades. So he's heard every pitch in the world, every hotel idea in the world. And that, you know, our chances were not good. Um, but it would still be a good experience to to meet with him and run it by him. Um, so we did. And sure enough, the first 10 minutes were pretty rough. He wasn't loving what we were saying. Uh but then something connected. We were actually about to say goodbye and shake hands. And I said, but I'd love to show you the full laptop presentation with our pitch deck, the whole deal. So he agreed, and our little 10-minute window turned into three and a half hours. Oh, my goodness. And he just started lighting up, you know, like a kid and um, really got the concept, really understood why we wanted to do it. And uh, at the end of that meeting, he said, I personally want to – train and hire your staff and i want my management company to manage this brand if you're interested and so that's how it all went down it's pretty pretty wild okay i'm taking a quick break from my incredible conversation with jeremy to thank our sponsor of the show who helps to make it possible and that is the happiness planner one of my absolute favorite companies they design some of the most beautiful inspirational planners journals and notepads now i personally love the happiness planner because it helps to keep me on track and just find joys each and every day they have journals that focus on different themes such as confidence, gratitude, growth mindset, and purpose. Great tools to help you become more self-aware, happier, and just feel a little bit more fulfilled. And for those of you who like to use apps, the Happiness Planner is also available as a mobile and web app. Now, you know that's my jam. How is it different from other calendar and to-do list apps out there? 
Well, on top of schedule and to-do list, it comes with functions like monthly goal setting and reflections, meals and exercise recording, gratitude journaling, happiness, health and energy level trackers, and daily inspirational quotes and articles. You can check out their web app at thehappinessplanner.io or download the mobile apps from the App Store and Google Play. You can also download their free printables from their website at thehappinessplanner.com and use the coupon code LIVEWITHPURPOSE for 10% off. Without further ado, back to my chat with Jeremy. I would love to know, you know, in that moment where you're, because, you know, I've been in meetings like that before, where you, not not with Horschultz, not even close to anything like that, but where you have this kind of meeting that's set up and it's like a chance meeting and you're like, I got 10 minutes to, to, to make my case. And you start feeling that hot feeling in your chest where you're like, oh no, like this is not, I'm not saying the right things or it's not going the way I want, but then something connects and something happens. What do you think it was that began to really light him up and where did you see him start to think okay this is actually something that's really unique and really different and not like anything else I've ever heard of or seen before yeah I think it was uh three things I think number one he loved obviously the the idea the heartbeat behind it the cause connection um but he also loved how I was talking about the people, mm-hmm. how the, the you know, ladies and men cleaning the beds and the rooms mattered just as much as the CEO and presidents of the company. Like everybody was equal. Everybody mattered. Um, so that got his attention. And then when I talked about how I care about every single detail down to the font on the doors and the colors of the bathrooms and what's on the stairs like this is a really thought out vision um down to the most intricate of details like what happens when you step on the elevator like how do we you know how do we inspire people even in these awkward moments and so um i think it was those three things combined the people the details and the cause behind it all really got really got his attention that's incredible. And so he has, he, he agreed at the end of that meeting, like you said, to personally train your staff, was ju- which is just incredible. I actually heard an interview with him on um, Donald Miller's podcast a couple of months ago. And it was just so interesting to hear his perspective of how he's approached his company for so long. And, and to know that that is something that I know that you care about as well. And, and to just know that this is all a part of the story that God is writing is just, it's unbelievable. And it really is just, you know, sometimes I I, I hear stories like yours, or I, he, I hear, or I read about stories like this, and I, I go, man, how can anybody like think that there's not a God because this is, none of this is an accident. Yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's all divine and uh, I'm just along for the ride. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine recently said Jesus is a race car driver. So it, you basically have to get in and buckle up because <laughs> I was like, that's, exactly. a, that's a really good, it's uh, a really good analogy. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the design because you shared recently shared a sneak peek of the, the design um, and that there's a, even a story behind that as well. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I wish my architect could explain it because he <laughs> he explains it a thousand times more eloquently than I do. Um, 
but it was uh, partially inspired by the logo our graphic designer came up with. Um, but he also talks about how it's like a, uh, a blanket draped over the structure, a blanket of humanity. Mm. You know, there's darks and there's lights, and it's kind of meant to reflect every belief system, every person coming together like this woven fabric that's handmade. Um, so that's really what the exterior is meant to reflect. That's awesome. Now, yeah. what is the timeline? I know that this is something that's like the most common question you get, but like what's kind of the next timeline? What's the next steps um, here as you kind of move into this next season and, and you know, getting ready to, to do this thing? Yeah. Um, I mean, we hope to break ground next year. Timeline is we hope to open it in 22, so three years from now. Awesome. Um but this year we're doing, you know, uh, securing funding through private sources. Um, that, that's mainly this year. Uh, obviously, tons of planning and architecture and design, all that stuff as well. Branding, marketing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're it's going to be a full year. Yeah. Well, I can just say that when uh, when it opens in 2022, I am going to be reserving a room <laughs> and heading to Nashville. So that's awesome. <laughs> I can't it, wait. It's going to be glorious. I can't wait to. It really is. Now, you know, as as God has clearly been writing this story the whole time, he gave you the vision for it. What is the big, you know, and is this something that you even can share? Like, what is your big long-term vision for this hotel chain? Um, yeah, to build, to build as many as possible because the more there are, the more people are helped. And right. so I hope that... Um, you know, we're with this kind of beacon of light that is spreading the word about so many great nonprofits around the world that these nonprofits are grateful for the purpose of tell because it's their number one, you know, source of fuel that's uh, that's spreading the word and uh, helping them, you know, do the work that they're doing. I hope that uh, makers around the world and Haiti and Africa and all over the place are grateful for the hotel because they're able to put food on their tables and feed their families and you know um i just hope that our mission is accomplished that we're able to help as many people as possible through really creative means uh and in the process people staying at the hotel have a really amazing you know top level hotel experience yeah that's absolutely incredible and i have no doubt um, that, you know, like you said, you know, is this everything starts with one person and it has to start somewhere. Why can't it be you? Um, and I just, I, I've loved watching you just kind of step into that calling and be obedient to every step along the way. And I have no doubt that God is just going to make it happen and work through you. And I just, I just think it's awesome. I think it's so awesome. I can't wait to see Purpose Hotels all around the world. <laughs> Absolutely. One day, one day, one day it's going to happen. Um, so I want to go back just a little bit, um, and talk about something before we transition to our get to know you round. Um, you know, in reading your book, you know, and I, I, there was a lot that I had already known about you from following your work over the years, like your work with, um, you know, with Help Portrait and, you know, having the opportunity to photograph celebrities like Sting and Taylor Swift and Carrie Underwood and all these, you know, really big uh, you know, celebrities and, you know, just the incredible work you did through the the Gatlinburg photography and, you know, what you did in Haiti. Um, but there was a story that you shared in the book that I 
I hadn't heard before, um, and that was when you traveled to Rwanda, the Voices of Reconciliation Project, and it was um, it was a chapter of your book that uh, I basically cried all the way through, um, <laughs> and uh, my husband like looked over at me and he was like, "Are you okay?" I was like, mm-hmm, "Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> don't don't mind me." Um, <laughs> and so I'd love for you to just kind of share a little bit about this project. Um, And because there was one thing in particular that just really connected with me. Um, But I'd love for you to just kind of share a little bit about this particular story and how how it all happened. Yeah, um, I had been doing humanitarian projects and I was actually speaking about my Haiti project at a conference. And the lady on the panel with me, uh, Laura Waters Hinton, she had done a um, uh, project in Rwanda uh, around forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I was so moved by the project that I was like, we should really collaborate because they didn't do any photos. It was just a documentary. And so I was like, we should do what I did in Haiti, but do it in Rwanda. And so um, that began the seed. And so we went over there to photograph people who had forgiven the killers of their own family. Mm. We photographed them standing together who were, you know, these people are now not only forgave each other, but they're now working together to rebuild their communities and, and uh, yeah, rebuild. It's just crazy. It really is. And there was one particular paragraph in, in particular that I just went, oh, if, if that ain't a gut punch, I don't know what it is. But where you shared how, you know, here you are standing in Rwanda watching these people who have been able to really show the power of forgiveness and the power of releasing that anger and how forgiveness is really the catalyst for moving forward and not letting anger take hold of you and you talked about how you know here are these these families that are standing with somebody else that that killed their entire family and and they're they're forgiving each other and they're shaking hands and they're working together and they're collaborating and they're moving forward and they're rebuilding their community yet here we are in America and we can't forgive the person who cut us off on the highway like we can't forgive the person who stole our parking spot <laughs> like, exactly yeah and i just went oh yes and then the next week after I, I read that chapter, which just was, you know, a personal gut punch in a lot of ways and, and something that I was like, can I, can we just put this paragraph on a poster and just put it all around? Hmm. Um, but our pastor at church did a sermon on anger and was talking about the power of forgiveness to really release, you know, anger issues and those kinds of things and talking about, you know, when we really forgive somebody. And so it just really began to kind of work in me of just thinking about, man, like, are, are is there areas of my life that like, I need to forgive myself? Or are there areas in my life that like, I need to reach out to somebody else and, and, you know, f- that maybe there was a past hurt and say, hey, you know, I forgive you. How can we move forward and things like that? Um, I, I would love to kind of know, like, what did that do for you in your own life to really tangibly see firsthand the power of forgiveness? Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those things that stays with you forever. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm always inspired by the level of forgiveness that I saw. I think about it daily when I'm struggling to forgive somebody for something. You know, it's kind of like my 
my now forever barometer yeah. of what that should look like and could look like. Um, and so, yeah, those projects, I mean, I have to be all business in the moment and get the yeah. job done um, and not get too emotional. But it's later once I'm home and really thinking about what just happened and looking at the photos to really process that level of healing and restoration. Yeah. So inspiring. It really is. Um, did any of the people that you met with share what was what was maybe a step that really helped them in that process? Like, because I'm sure that even you had that question. I mean, so many people have that question is how? How do they forgive these people in those situations? Well, there's a program called the As We Forgive Initiative. So a lot of them went through these workshops and, you know, a lot of people say they couldn't forgive. So it takes a long time, but they're walked through it with uh, counseling and therapy and these workshops. And it's really, really powerful to see that taking place and just goes to show what's possible, you know, with all of us. Uh, If only we had forgiveness workshops here in the States, right? Yeah. Um, But that, I mean, hey, we got therapy, which I am a huge advocate for. I talk about my therapist all the time on this show. I'm always like, y'all. So I was talking about my therapist the other day and my therapist (laughs) said this. Um, But yeah, and that I think sometimes is that there's a stigma behind, you know, you know, counseling, therapy, different types of of workshops where people think that if 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 you do that, then you're weak. And I say, no, 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 no. Like if you do that, you're strong because that that says that you you realize that you need help, and that that's sometimes a really hard step to ask for. And so that's a, I mean, I think that's a great resource. Is just you know if if you need help with forgiveness or if that's an an area that you're struggling with, like reach out, you know, get help. You know, we don't necessarily have forgiveness workshops, but we do have therapists. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Um, And then there's one more thing I wanted to ask you about um, before we, before we go to the get to know you round. And that is um, something, another thing that you have shared recently, and that is um, your recent diagnosis with uh, Friedrich's ataxia. And I'm saying that correctly, correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Can you, are, are you, open to sharing a little bit about that and and what that process has looked like and kind of what, how you've been, um, you know, kind of dealing with that. Yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've had difficulty kind of maintaining my balance for a long time, but it's getting worse year after year. Mm -hmm. So it got so bad this past year that I was like, I need to look into this. And so finally got answers just a couple months ago and found out I do have that disease. And so, um, it affects, I'm actually noticing even right now, my symptoms of talking, talking feels laborious to me right now. Like my speech is slurred a little bit mm-hmm. and it's kind of exhausting even to speak, which is a strange thing. Um, but it's, yeah, so speech and, uh, walking balance, um, uh, gosh, memory a little bit, um, it can lead to heart disease. It can lead to muscle loss. It can lead to all kinds of vision hearing issues and so it's pretty serious um so i'm trying to do my best to fight it with food um and clean eating because there is no cure there is no medication so yeah and uh gosh once you once you say something like this you (laughs) i've learned you will be inundated with everybody's opinions on what to eat and not eat what to what vitamins and supplements it takes. So I feel like I have about 
500 doctors hitting me up every day <laughs> on social media, email, texting, Instagram DMs, yeah. like literally telling me this is your answer. Mm. Oh <laughs> and my so gosh. I get really overwhelmed with all the people trying to give me advice, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. So grateful that people care. But at the same time, it's like, man, I got to I got to choose one you know, uh, place to go and yeah. try one solution. Then if that doesn't work, try the next one. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it can get really overwhelming with, uh, answers. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, uh, there was something that you, <laughs> that you shared that, uh, it, it maybe is once again, God being like, <laughs> I'm just going to nudge you a little bit. Uh, <laughs> do you mind sharing the story of when you were on, um, home and family recently? <laughs> <laughs> and the other guest that happened to be there that same day. Yeah, of course. I uh, I uh, went to my local doctor recently. He suggested that I try this uh, plant paradox diet, which I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. Um, I heard a lot about it because I know people doing it. Um, so I went and bought the book, and I was like, sure, I'll give this a shot. And uh, so I fly out to L.A. I take the book with me. But I hadn't started reading it yet. And so I get to uh, the Hallmark Channel set in Universal Studios and I walk on set and I'm waiting my turn to go on the show. And I hear the host ask the reporter, they said, so tell us about the plant paradox diet. <laughs> and my jaw just dropped. I'm just seriously couldn't believe it because I was like the one person in the world that I wanted to talk to. Uh, and he happened to be the one out of two guests that day on that show and I was the other guest so I just couldn't believe it that and so we connected insane. afterwards and yeah the rest is history now I'm trying the plant paradox diet that is but that's that's like the Santa Claus story where you're just right. like wait what exactly <laughs> what yeah. what are the odds about that what are the odds um, well, I really appreciate you being so open um, and sharing your story and being really vulnerable and, and putting that out there because it is really personal. But I know that, um, you know, it, it is inspiring to people and it and it it gives people the permission to also share what they're going through. And, and sometimes when we are the catalyst for that and we kind of put our, our story out there and put our story on the line, um, it, it tells people, it sends a message like, hey, you're not alone. Um, we're all in this together. You know, we're all going through things. And that just in, in my own experience, last year going through two second trimester uh, pregnancy losses, like I could have not shared that, but I, I chose to and the amount of women who have come out of the woodworks and said hey like that was my story but I never shared it with anybody and so now I feel like I can name the babies that we lost and I can share those stories with other people and it really does it there's power in in sharing the vulnerable pieces of our lives um you know to an extent we don't want to be a complete open book but um but it really, it really is powerful. And so just know that you have a lot of people praying for you. Um, and I just really appreciate you you sharing that. Oh, absolutely. That means a lot. I was just listening to Brene Brown this morning talking about vulnerability and sharing. And so I'm so glad you're doing that as well. Yeah, yeah. It really is a powerful, powerful thing. 
Um, well, Jeremy, before we go, this is a portion of the show that is my my listeners' favorite portion. It's my favorite portion of the show where we we transition a little bit and just ask some fun, kind of lighthearted, get to know you questions. Um, and as my listeners also know, this is the portion of the show where my executive producer husband inserts like a movie clip or a sound effect of some kind to transition us. We never know what it's going to be. It's always a surprise. Um, I love it. Yes. And for this uh, particular segment, I actually got for the first time, um, I tried something new. I got some listener submitted questions. So I think this is going to be really fun. So Jeremy, are you ready? I'm ready. But if a company makes a mistake, they're not going to admit it anyway. And I know this from years of checking into hotels. If there's ever a mistake with the reservation, it's not their fault. It's always the customer who apparently has made some type of mistake in the process. How you doing? Been traveling. Uh, I have a reservation. Confirmed it six times. Uh, <laughs> reservation under Regan. Did you by chance make the reservation under another name? And why would I have done that? Why would anyone do that, sir? Has anyone ever done that in the history of making hotel reservations? You don't think it's insulting that you're suggesting when name came up, that's where I went off the rails? Is that what you're tossing into the air here? Somebody on your side said name, and I panicked. I, I, I don't know. We figured out we get to, I guess. Is that your hypothesis? So first question is, Kara asks, you have traveled the world. Now, if you had to move somewhere else other than Nashville, and it has to be outside of the United States, where would you move? Hmm, outside of the U.S. Either somewhere tropical, like uh, any any beautiful beach, or uh, I've been to Stockholm, Sweden, and London. Uh, Those are two of my favorite places. So I could see me going to either one of those places. But I do love the beach, so that's a that's a tough call. Yeah. Hawaii, Hawaii comes to mind. That's not outside of the U.S., but that's it still comes to outside mind. Outside of the continental, that counts. Right. That counts. We'll, we'll count it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number two is: Monique asked if someone was the narrator of your life, who would you want to be the narrator? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, <laughs> probably maybe Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is he going to say like Morgan Freeman or like Samuel L. Jackson? No, Will Ferrell would be an excellent narrator. <laughs> yeah, I think Will Ferrell because he'd make it really funny. He would. He would. That would be. Or hilarious. Steve Carell. Yeah, one of the two. Yes. Um. Side note. Completely random side note. A friend of mine was in the Atlanta airport recently and saw Steve Carell. And like, she was like, he's the only celebrity that I would legitimately chase down in the airport to go say hi to. Wow, did she? She did. And she said he he was just the nicest person. And he was like in a NASA hat, which I was like, is he alluding to the Space Force show? Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) That would be So good? So good. Yeah. She said she said he was so nice. And I was was a little jealous that she she met him. So (laughs) Um, all right. Chris asked, what book has influenced you the most? Uh, The War of Art. Stephen Pressfield. Oh, that is you. That was like you knew that that was confidence. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much. (laughs) Um, Abby asks, which 1900s era would you want to travel back in time to and why? Uh, the 40s. 
Nice. I just I just love uh, I love the music of the forties. Yeah. And uh, just I don't know. That seems like a time that I really would have loved uh, something about the nineteen forties. Both my parents um, were born in the 40s, so I feel like that was yeah, a good decade. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good decade. My dad actually, so my dad's birthday is the day before D-Day, and he actually just turned 75, so. <laughs> there you go. I know. That's yeah, awesome. I know. Um, all right, and then this is the last question, and this is the question I ask all my guests, and that is, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Good question. Um no, I mean, it means like my recent mission statement has been to explore the intersection of creativity and empathy. Mm. So I got to figure out how do I keep doing what I'm doing, which is what I love, art and photography and all that, but I do it in a means that it helps somebody. And I think, you know, for me, that's my definition of purpose is where it's bigger than ourselves, you know, and uh, it's helping somebody somewhere. Absolutely. Jeremy, that's a great answer. Uh, this has been truly a pleasure, truly an honor. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your vision with us. And uh, we just can't wait to just watch it all come to fruition and to see God continue to work through your life and to have more Santa Claus and home and family moments. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, Molly, for having me. I Told You Jeremy's story is absolutely incredible. He just truly is one of the most inspirational people I have ever had the opportunity to chat with. I have loved following him over the years. And I am not kidding when I say that I will be one of the first people to make a reservation at the Purpose Hotel when it opens up in a few years. I am just so beyond grateful for Jeremy's honesty, his heart, and his passion for truly, truly changing the world. Now, I would love to know what you loved about this episode, maybe something that inspired you or something that you learned. Please let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook and use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Another huge thank you to our sponsor, The Happiness Planner. Visit thehappinessplanner.com and use that coupon code Live with Purpose for 10% off. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out. Thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe button. Clicking that button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is edited by my incredible husband and executive producer, John Stillman, with support from Kelly Dalton, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.